Welcome back, everyone, to the Love Means Nothing podcast, U.S. Open preview episode, episode number 15, I think. Um, things are buzzing here in New York City. It seems like everyone except myself in Midtown Manhattan has a credential for the U.S. Open. Serena is bumping up ticket prices, the reason I did not go yeah. today. Wow. And and Patrick Mortoglu is already on his way home. So some good things there, some bad things, but point is we're getting things started in Flushing Meadows. Drew, how is it going? Well, I've been, I've been watching the first round on TV. The crowds look phenomenal. Every court, obviously I'm watching every single court. Every single court looks like it's packed. I saw the Shelton match, Ben Shelton against uh, Nuno Borges, the Portuguese. And that was that atmosphere was crazy. I mean, I, I don't know. Is there more of a buzz surrounding it there? I mean, you're on the ground in New York, but is it is it more of a buzz? I saw like there's so many events. There's so many like events going on outside of the U.S. Open in downtown New York. I saw McEnroe playing ping pong with Amanda Animasova. I saw Racket Mag had an event. I know there's obviously the taste of tennis. But it seems like it's just this giant thing this year that is maybe more than usual. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Yeah, I've seen those events too. I think. And I we gotta know. get. We gotta get. I'm, I'm. By the way, just for the listeners, I will be in New York, starting um, starting tomorrow night. Actually, so hopefully we'll be able to find some of those events and join them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll be joining any events, but I. I don't know. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any. It doesn't feel like there's more of a buzz than usual but i guess i guess we'll just only be able to tell once we actually get to watch the matches at the site but i i I agree i was saw some matches even center court usually like even even at the us open grand slam first round there's just no one there right court i mean it wasn't full but it was there was a a legitimate crowd there yeah Uh, i was watching armstrong so we actually so for friday we're going with some friends we got tickets for armstrong and Usually the thing about Armstrong is you just get a ticket in the lower bowl and you can kind of sneak down to the first row. But I was watching on TV today. It looked there weren't that many open seats down there. It looked like it was kind of it was kind of full, especially for the Halep and the Murray match. But all right, so are you trying to get a credential vid? Because I know I know that you've been you know hanging out around uh, you know pr- prominent prominent current and former professional players, Tommy Haas, one of them, a couple others. But I know you sounded kind of salty there. I I, I didn't think that you know, credential was something that was possible, but are you just, you're just hanging around the people of credentials? Did you look into that? Did you inquire about that? And no, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't inquire. Did you, about, did you, did you, did you I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to would, would like a credential. No, no, no. no. I'm just, I'm, okay. I'm just saying, I know no, the reason I mentioned that was because I'm walking around midtown Manhattan. I see these like random people that have credentials that are clearly not tennis players and, so I don't even know who they are, but they, they just... Maybe they're like agents or maybe, maybe. rich people. A lot of rich people just somehow find their way to credential. Should, should we start talking about the draw? Because last time we did a preview was maybe Wimbledon or the French Open or something, and we just kind of went through each match, and it wasn't really... We felt like we didn't make any good points, I guess you could say. So we were doing a little bit of a different approach. Drew went through the draw picked out some things from each quarter that he thought would be best to discuss. And then we'll, we'll kind of go through it that way to see if this kind of preview slash post first round 
uh, pod will be better that way. So what are we, what are we starting off with? Yeah. So we're going to start off with basically the odds of the event in terms of outright winners. And that way we'll kind of have an overview of talking about it at a higher level. And then we're going to go kind of into each draw women's and men's, and we're going to go through each quarter, go to the projected matchups of each quarter based on the seeds, and then kind of give our take on, is this going to happen? What the projections are, what are the matchups you're looking for in each quarter? Who's someone outside, maybe the seeded players that you're kind of looking at um, that could make some noise. So that's kind of the structure of it. Um, I think, I think we'll start with the, with the odds. The one thing I'll say about, this 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 tournament the US Open is is that it looks it looks like the courts look like they're playing fast. You know, the courts look like they're playing way faster than kind of the some of the generic hard court tournaments this year. And uh and it looks hot. It looks hot out there. I've already seen a couple retirements and I'm already seeing some men's who matches in some in some men's who, who retired Cressy retired um which is kind of surprising cuz I mean you wouldn't think I don't think they is there's no way that's cuz of the heat. I, I didn't see the match but I mean, it's possible. And then another, an old guy, someone, someone who's old retired. Um, I think it was, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but uh, one of the older players uh, retired in the middle. So Warinka, Warinka retired uh, against, uh, against Mutet. So that's something that I think is important to keep in mind about the, the general heat and the kind of conditions that we're going to be seeing and whose kind of game style they're going to favor. Yeah, that's that's a, there's there's a strong case for. I, I'm not saying I, I want this to happen, but I'm saying that's a strong case for making the men's two out of three sets. No, if dude. If you're having, no. profe- and let me just say, say, I said I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying if you have professional athletes that can't make it through a full match because of the heat, that's that's pretty pretty shocking. And yeah, it's not, it's not like it's not happening. It's not like it's one match in a tournament or right. it's not like it's once every other tournament or something's like wrong with the guy and he also is not being able to handle the heat. It happens all the time. It happened to Fritz in DC. It's happening to two guys here. It'll probably happen to someone else and there will probably be uh, more than a handful of players who maybe they don't retire, but they just are physically incapable of playing a level that's even fun to watch or fun to play. Yes, fun yeah. to play. They might they might be done. And the other thing that you you'll notice is people just strategically tanking sets because they'll get to the point where it's not worth it to even give in your effort because if you 100%. give your effort, you're not going to be able to compete in the fourth or fifth set. So you might as well give away. That happened today. It was Zapata Marias against Tommy Paul, and Zapata was up two sets to one. He went down an early break in the fourth set, and he kind of just realized like I'm going to use this set to recover a little bit. And go into the fifth set and he lost his set 6-0 not because tommy paul was playing 6-0 better than him but because he kind of made that mental strategic decision and i don't blame them for making the strategic decision to do that but it's also it's kind of weird it's kind of weird to watch these five set matches it's a long long match i'll just say it is long i i'm totally against changing it but it's very long zapata mirais that's why they you know call him the einstein of tennis Playing the long game, not playing the short game, playing the long game. High tennis lose, IQ from Zapata. Lose the battle to win the war, but he lost the war. So that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy match. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's get into these, uh, the odds. You want to do, should we, let's do the men's first. Uh, I'll, I'll say, I think 
that it goes a lot deeper here than the men's side usually does in terms of who can win it. Is it because Djokovic isn't there? Maybe, but it's also because Medvedev is not in the best form and uh, neither is anyone. None of the, none of the top no. guys, right? If I'm looking at this right now, I see the top three are Medvedev, Nadal, Alcaraz, and then the fourth is Kyrgios. Um, none of them are in particular, no. particularly like great shape going into the tournament. And it's, it's impossible to say who the, is in the best form coming in, right? Because because you got had two random, okay, not random, two lower rank guys win their lead up tournaments, and I guess Tsitsipas did make the final of Cincinnati, but you know, I, I it's it's hard to gauge who's in the best form. They're all not in form, but who's in the best form? I don't know. Exactly. No one's in good form. And that's why I think you can make the case for someone like uh, Berrettini. I said this on the last last podcast who has had a bad U.S. Open swing, I guess you could say. But that being said, we talk about how he can work into the tournament and uh, get if he gets a couple wins on his back, then he'll be cruising. And with the serve is he's going to hold easy. It's going to allow him to go after the return games, and also um, if the heat is a factor, like we were just talking about, anyone with a big serve, shorter points. Is, I'm gonna I'm gonna write off anyone that is a grinder. Uh, is a grinder. I'm gonna say Sinner. No, I'm gonna say someone like Taylor Fritz. I, I who who I was in the last podcast. I said he's someone that I was looking at to go really deep in the U.S. Open, but I, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no to anyone who's uh, really really a grinder. Um, out there yeah and it's interesting you you say Fritz a grinder if you're listening to the pod you might think Fritz big serve uh I don't know if he's a grinder but there was actually a stat that came out recently and I might have mentioned this in the last pod but he's one of the top defenders on the tour winning points from a defensive position Fritz is top five and you might think that that sounds great and it does it is great that he's from a defensive position winning those 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 points but that also means that he's not that good on offense you know um and he's because otherwise he would be number one in the world, right? If he was top five in both, or at least top five. Uh, so I, I, I agree. I think Medvedev is the one exception to that. I think Medvedev is more of a grinder. He could win it. Yeah, Medvedev, he's the epitome of a grinder, but he, yeah, he's also the favorite to win it. So you can't completely write off someone who's the favorite to win it. Yeah, so I, I think, I, I disagree with you. I'm still going to put Sinner as potentially going to win it just because he's been playing so well and he's been kind of peaking. Um, I, th- this is my list of who I think can legitimately win it. I'll say, I'm saying Medvedev, Nadal, Alcaraz, Kyrgios, Tsitsipas, Sinner, Berrettini. Uh, I'm going to put Felix in there. And I'm, I'm going to put Felix in there because of how he's performed at the US Open, how he's performed at Slams and how it could open up. And I'm also going to put um, Hubert, Hubert in there as well, just because I think uh, he's kind of due for a, for a run. And again, the only thing, I'll, the one thing I'll say about why it's so wide open is not necessarily because I think that like Felix would beat Medvedev head to head. Maybe I would not take Felix in that, but I think the chance of upsets happening in the early rounds are higher, which just opens the door for more players to coming in. And winning the title, kind of like in the French Open, when you saw the bottom half of the draw, once Tsitsipas lost, that just opened the door for Rude to kind of get through, right? Whereas if that if there was Nadal in that in that portion of the draw, the chance of an upset was so low. So with Djokovic out, 
if Djokovic was in, you're kind of assuming he's going to make the finals. He's going to make at least the semis and with Zverev out as well. But now with all these players who are out of form, the early round upset factor is, is way bigger. And it's, there's a more chance for the, the draw to just open up completely, right? Where it's just, just one or two guys of this group that are still in. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen at every tournament. None of these guys are consistent uh, with getting to the ends of majors, except Nadal and maybe Medvedev. So, like, yeah, one upset is will definitely open the door. For me, uh, I'm going to say, yeah, like Medvedev, yes, Nadal, yes, Alcaraz, yes, Kyrgios. Um, I'm going to take out... I'm going to keep Sissipas in there uh, as, as a potential contender because, like you said, it can open up. And he, although he's, like, lost, I guess, relatively early in the U.S. Open last year to Alcaraz, that was an incredible match. It was a good match. And yeah. his level was extremely high. So that's why I'm not going to take him out. But I, I don't uh, see Sinner coming through just... I, I don't know. That's definitely just a feel thing. He is definitely playing some good tennis, but I just don't think he's going to win his first Grand Slam in New York. And that being said, just talking about New York, I know we haven't touched on it, but it's definitely a different atmosphere mm -hmm. to all the other Grand Slams. You have a lot of noise to deal with. I think most of the players stay in Manhattan, so you really have to find a way to stay focused in between your matches, uh, not let the buzz of the city kind of get to yeah. you and get you anxious about totally you know, whatever whatever that may be you and, need to be you need and, to be someone and, and and you know some players i i it, it may be better for because they enjoy going out and doing other things and completely taking their mind off tennis but for other players maybe they take their mind off tennis and then when they get on the court their mind is still off tennis so they don't perform at at the level but i'll just finish um in terms of how far down it goes for someone who can win it um Mateo, yes. Uh Felix, yes. Uh Borna, I feel like you have to say yes just because of what he did. Um, no way. No way. At, at um in Cincinnati. And so what's the what how far do you think he can get then? That's a great question. We have, we have to talk about that when we look at the uh, the draw, I think, because that uh, okay. will be the draw. Okay, yeah, and, I, just, I, and I, I think he has a very he has a very hard draw, but we can look at that at the uh, when we go to the draw. Yeah, actually, no, I, I do remember he has a hard draw. Yeah. Um, and then I think, and Cam Nori, I'm saying no. Um, <laughs> I assume okay. you are too. I'm gonna say Cam Nori, yes. The gr he's a grinder, though. You said uh, he's, you're anti grinder, and here's why. Here's why I'm not here, of a grinder. Here's why I put him in as someone who could win it because. You're the aren't you the one who told me this? His lungs are like bigger than the average person. Yeah, they're, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. they're like the size of yeah. like a fucking whale or something. By mistake, he had like a doctor's appointment. I'm sure the listeners know this if they're fans, but um, it wasn't like even a uh, it was a thing where they had to t check his lungs for something, and it turned out that his lungs were like the level of Olympic swimmers, like two or three times uh, the capacity of a normal human being, which I guess is not the case for normal tennis. But that changed his entire strategy towards how he played tennis. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll say him, and then I'll say Rublev is right after him. I'll say no, Rublev, no way, no Rublev, and then I'll, I'll I'll say Hubert has a chance. Then after that, I'll say everyone else is a no no go to win it. So I, I cut it off at Casper Rude. Sorry, Casper. Sorry, Casper. Right, good one today, though. He did win today. Good match. 
so now should we talk about the women's odds first? Well, I, I did want to I did want to say like based on the based on the odds, odds including, which means you're taking value into account. Uh, who who would it be? Uh, I definitely agree with you. The atmosphere of New York suits certain players. Medvedev and Berrettini, I think, particularly have shown that. But yeah, uh, who who do you think? Who do you think? Um, based on the odds, who do you think is the best value play? If you had to, if I gave you a thousand dollars right now for free, free bet, and you had to bet on one player, who would it be? Value play a hundred percent would be Berrettini. I think twenty-five to one. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a cra- that's crazy odds. Those are crazy odds for Veratini. I agree. Made this. Yeah, he's been in semis, quarters. I think the only person who loses it here in majors when he's playing well is Djokovic. Really, I think. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take him against Medvedev in a head-to-head, but I totally agree. I, I can't believe he's twenty-five to one. I mean, that makes no sense to me. That's a weird. That's weird. I would I think. Him, that, I, I, think... I would have been ahead. I would take him over Stefanos regardless of the odds. Actually, odds makers have some recency bias here. Because yeah. he had such a shitty tournament in Canada, and yeah, or they just know something we don't, which I I doubt. Yeah, no, I, I, that's definitely that's definitely where the value is. Um, yeah, hundred percent. What about you? What about you? Yeah, so I actually I actually had Hubert in this for Hubert at forty to one. Um, that look, he had he hasn't done well at the U.S. Open, but he has made the semis of Wimbledon, which I think is 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 prominent. He beat Medvedev at a uh in wimbledon uh he's got a winning record against medvedev 3-2 he's got a winning record against sinner 2-1 he's beaten Sitsipas twice he's beaten felix he's beaten berrettini he's got a masters 1000 title and he just made the finals of a masters 1000 in the lead-up event so i agree like the hubert thing is kind of a flash in the pan shot but i i think 40 to 1 for him based on his resume and being the number eight seed of the event 40 to 1 is too long I think I put Hubert at more where Berrettini's at 25 to 1, 20 to 1. Uh, I, I don't know what you think about Hubert. He would be my second choice if I had to put money down. So it's not like I completely disagree with you, but my theory is that he hasn't gone very deep in hardcourt slams. His only great result at a Grand Slam was getting to the semifinals of Wimbledon. It's a pretty good result. It's a pretty good result, but it's a different surface. And yeah. it was over a year ago yeah i do do like his form as of late but i think when it comes to grand slams you have to look at not what's happened most recently but what has happened in grand slams in the past just because it's such a different type event yeah but there's only two hardcore grand slams every year u.s open australian open it maybe just didn't work out for him he also won the miami title which is, you know, they say the fifth or sixth slam. So, and that was on a hard court. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I think that, that was a year. Said, that was a year and a half ago. You said Berrettini. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, and I, I think her Hubert as well. So, uh, yeah, let's 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 move on to let's move on to the women's. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to the women's. Let me pull it up. This is gonna go deep. Well, the odds now are very unfortunately different because the number two favorite is out in the first round. The so. number two favorite, Simona Halep, is out. Yeah, and well, you know what? The one thing I'll say, the one consequence of the on-court coaching thing now is that Patrick had the chance to coach Halep. Wait, wait, can they? Is WTA? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's confirmed. Yeah, WTA also. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Was he, was he at the match? Yeah, of course. Halep was there with uh, his two 
his two uh, Patrick Mortagalu Academy stooges that we saw in DC. So, yeah. I um, I just I just I just assume that he he's he probably just assumed that she would make it to the second week and he would just come come in for the second week of the slam. Maybe that would have been better because honestly, it just looked like what he he was trying to talk to her and I don't know something wasn't working because. Uh, yeah, just look too stressed. And th- th- this is the problem also with being such a prominent Instagram coach and you're all posting on Instagram before every fucking practice, posting videos, posting like build up to US Open. It's like, then when the, the tournament starts and your player goes down a set, that puts way more pressure on your player, to be honest. And then it's embarrassing for you. It's like, oh. what are you going to post now? Like some motivation about losing first round, like US Open? It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, no, dude. It's, yeah. it's good for your player to be to have that presence, I I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he literally makes his living off of like posting on Instagram and being like a tennis personality. So he has to, but I agree. It's definitely definitely yeah. not what you want to do, especially if you're coaching a high-profile player. And we see it with guys like, obviously, Patrick, but also with guys like Sasha, Sasha Bajin, who was coaching Karolina Pliskova until maybe two months ago he got fired mm-hmm. but uh you go on his Instagram he's posting always posting things when he was working with Carolina about what was going on and blah 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 she'd lose he'd be like oh like bounce back um you know yeah it's very un- trust, trust, very the, trust the process blah 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 <laughs> so cringe and just like uncomfortable to look at right. and then you see a post from him have and when he splits up with her he has to post an Instagram right and it's right. just so awkward for everyone yeah. involved. But he's he's found his way back onto the tour coaching uh Diana Yastremska, who he coached before Pliskova. But it's yeah. Yeah, but when it comes to coaching, there was one there was one moment in the first round today. It was uh Sakari against Tatiana Maria, who Sakari lost to her in the first round of Wimbledon. And uh Maria won the second set, so it was split. And then there was a video of kind of like Sakari's coach coaching her in the beginning of the third set, giving her some specific points. And then she won the third set six zero. So people are saying that that's, you know, indicate in indicative of why coaching does really matter. I think it, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it does as well. I think it just, dep- it also depends on the player, right? Some players wouldn't even be able to take that advice and implement it because they're kind of mentally unstable. But if you have a, combination of a good coach that gives good advice to the player and a player who has the ability to implement it then it's definitely can serve a big advantage uh, yeah for for those kind of teams okay let's go to the women so i'll just come out and say it i have no cutoff for the women's um you have no cutoff so... I, I i basically have no cutoff because i think so, literally anyone could win it so let's so just you, give it so you think, an example you think um, you think Camila Osorio could win the U.S. Open. No, I don't think she could win it, but I think probably someone who's at her odds could win it. Okay, if that, does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I'm trying so, to find someone who's at her odds. So, so Elizabeth Mandlick, she's 400 to one. She just beat <laughs> she just beat Tamara Zdancic, uh in three sets and was playing amazing. Okay, she's a great she's a great player. Uh, she's been doing really well this summer. I think she had a couple you know, big, big wins. Um, I, I, she plays Ons next round and I was looking at the draw and I was like, I think, I think Ons could, um, I think Ons could actually lose to her and Ons is like a top favorite. So I, I have no cutoff for the women's. I mean, sure. You could cut it off. Like 
you could go through the draw and say, I think this player could win, this player couldn't win it. But I literally, I literally think it's, I think it's so wide open. I don't know if you have a cutoff, but now that you say that, I am looking at it and yeah, there's no cutoff. But at the same time, you have to cut it off where it starts becoming like you're scrolling and trying yeah. to see like, oh, there's no one. Oh, there's one person who could win it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, for, exactly. so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just like, I understand where you're coming from when you say that. But for me, I would really cut it off at, okay, first of all, first of all, why is Serena losing 40 to one? You think that's too long? No, I mean that. Yeah, no, it's not long enough. She's not going to win the U.S. Open, dude. What are you talking? You have no respect for the greatest of all time, man. It's just absurd. Like you don't realize. Like you, you. This is this is absurd to me. Forty to one is a long odds, dude. Forty to one. But she's- she, she's she's uh, who's behind? Ver- Veronica Kudermatova is behind her. No, I I, I agree. Annette Kontavite is behind her. Danielle Collins is behind. Okay, her. and that Contavite number two in the world being fifty to one just just encapsulates everything about the women's game right now. Um, but also the, the yeah, I, I think I think you just you just forgetting about Serena like what she could actually do. In my opinion, oh, I mean, I would put that... her at like I wouldn't put her at forty to one, but I'd put her at like fifty sixty to one. Okay, maybe it's not disrespecting Serena Williams. I'm not coming out saying that she's not the greatest women's tennis player of all time or something. I mean, she's old now. She's slow. She's overweight. Like, like it's just the current moment. You can't look at, yeah, she has 23 grand slams, but that has no bearing on how she's going to do at the U.S. Open. I just, I just disagree. I just find, if, you, if you're looking at someone who's like another random person who's like overweight and in the same shape of her and playing the same level, you can't look at that as the same as like literally Serena Williams. At that I'm, yeah, I'm still factoring yeah. it in that she's Serena Williams. <laughs> I'm still factoring that in, but I still think it should be lower. Obviously, if okay. someone else yeah. who was exhibiting those characteristics, they would be like no chance of winning it, you know? <laughs> Sure. Let's. Uh, she, we'll see what happens. But I she's mean, Serena Williams. So. I just want to give some. Okay, Brandon, uh, uh, Holt, Brandon Holt is up five two on Taylor Fritz. Wow, that is a SoCal. <laughs> I can't wait that, to. That is yeah. a SoCal yeah. matchup. Yeah, can't wait Brandon, to get off this and watch that. Yeah. That would be insane if you won that. But I'm gonna cut it off, uh, for the women, at, uh, where was it? I I think I don't think Serena can win, so I'm gonna cut it off. But Before. then Annette's below her, so you think Annette, Annette can't win? Fine, fine, I'll cut it off after Veronica Kudermatova. Okay, so you're gonna you're giving Serena okay, a chance. Fine, I'll give her. Yeah, there you go. Are you happy now? I'll I'll put her in. <laughs> I'll, I'll put her in. Put I her swear in to God, if Serena somehow makes a run, I mean that would just be absurd. That would be fucking crazy. If Serena made a run at this U.S. Open, <laughs> to making like the even if she made like the fourth round, the quarters, I mean that would be one of the craziest sports stories you'll ever see. All right, so what, who's your value play for the women's? Yeah, so we're going for value play. Um, and let me just say, I, I, would not, I would not bet on any of the top favorites to win this. Iga, Halep's already out. Caroline Garcia is somehow the third favorite, which is absurd. Also, Carolina. Did you know her name was Carolina Garcia? Isn't it Caroline? Maybe these odds are fucked up. Uh, it's Caroline, right? It's definitely Caroline. I think. Um, Okay, uh, so I'm going to go for my value play. 
This is the number four seed in the entire tournament. She's 33 to one. Paula Bedosa. 33 to one, Paula Bedosa. I don't think she's been playing bad necessarily. Um, she's, th- let me just parse this out a little bit. She's 33 to one. I think that, you know, she has won a big tournament in the past. That was Indian Wells, 2021. I think that when it comes to New York, like you kind of mentioned it earlier, to different events, you want to be able to vibe in the environment. I think she, I think Paul Bedosa in New York, they go together well. And I think that when it comes to the fans in New York, you have to develop kind of a relationship with the fans. I think Bedosa, she gets pumped up. She shows emotion. I think she's someone who can get the fans on her side as well, which will help her. You kind of saw Layla Fernandez. She turned into a different person last year at the U.S. Open because the fans are behind her. And I think it's possible for, to, for this to happen to Bedosa. And um, I think that she, if she makes a run, she starts playing better. She can win. Also, the, I mean, the four seed being 33 to one is just, I don't know, it's just crazy, especially with no one playing that well. Maybe if Ego was in her, on her run or something, it would make sense, but it's a long odd. So I'll, I'll go with Paul Bedosa. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just like first I'm gonna t- just talk about you taking Paula Bo- Paula Bedosa, uh, just an absurd take, not really because of who you picked, but just an absurd take based on the history of what you've said about her, and also um, mm-hmm. I'll first say you may maybe you just didn't know. I mean, she, she she bad last year U.S. Open lost second round to someone who I don't even know who it is. Do you know who Garcheva is? Yeah, I do know who that is. Okay, yeah. well, she she lost second round to Garcheva, and you know how we just talked about, um, you know, p- history at the U.S. Open is something you want to look at when you're taking a pick. So that one reason I don't agree with you. Second mm-hmm. reason I don't agree with you is literally because every time I talk about how good Paula Bedosa is, yeah. you say, uh, you say, oh, she's not good, and every time she loses, you're like, see, she's just not good. She just doesn't have it. So those are the yeah. two reasons where why um uh kind of shocked by your Paula Bedosa pick where is she she's plus 3300 33 to 1 33 to 1 so okay. let me just let me just respond uh, to that let me just okay. respond to that um i i when i talked about history at the US Open all that stuff that was in reference to the men's draw specifically Emirata Kanu had not had a history at the US Open Leila Fernandez had not had a history at the US Open i i was kind of talking about the specific second of all i agree when Paula Bedosa was legitimately number two in the world after she won Indian Wells, what I said was, is that she's way overrated. She's not at this level. I still don't think she's a top five player necessarily, but I do think that she's a top 15 player and she's someone who I want to back when she's kind of down, not someone I want to back when she's number two in the world. Okay. So that's, that's what, that's what my thinking is on Paula Bedosa in terms of, I agree. She's not a top five player, but now she's going back down to the point where it's a, it's a buy low. You're buying low on Paula Bedosa. I sold her when she was high. I sold her when she was high. When, when I was you, telling you guys, you, you, didn't saying, you were you saying, didn't, no, you were no, saying no, 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 you were saying like Paula Bedosa is a great player. Like she's number two in the world. And I was saying, she's just, no, I'm, I'm, I'm selling that stock right now. I'm now buying Paula Bedosa stock after selling it at the correct time. I'm buying it low. So that's, that's what I'm saying about Paula. That's fucking horseshit. You didn't <laughs> you didn't own Paula Bedosa's stock when she was high. You had nothing to sell when she was high. You always shit on her game and I never I, I didn't shit on her game until she until she won until she, after she won Indian Wells and the hype was getting a little too high. 
the it's also an expression. You can't buy stock in Times Square. So it's it's obviously an expression I'm using. Right, right. I, I know, <laughs> I know. But I'm saying you never mentioned her name before Indian Wells. So you, she wasn't on your. I mean, obviously she's on your radar. But oh my but god, you, you. The first time we had conversations, me and you, about her was after Indian Wells. I wasn't saying that she's like a top. I wasn't saying she's a number one in the world type of player, but I was saying she's very good. I can pull up the test right and, now. And you and you were not. That we don't have time for that. I'll give I'll give my my um my value pick. Whatever. Okay. Fine. Right. <laughs> my my value pick, and let's Jessica see. Pagula. No, that's kind of a, that's a really good one though. Yeah. That's, that's that's a really good one. That's probably better than both of ours, to be honest. I was gonna go Veronica Kudermatova. Okay. Cool. Uh, she looks like she's. What is she? Fifty to one. What? No way. That's crazy. That's, I agree with you. 50 to one. She has, is pretty consistent in all tournaments. She always usually, I think has close matches with the top girls uh-huh. often beat sometimes beats them. So her level is there. Right. Her, and, her yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot of value there. I had not know. How did she do today? <laughs> She won, obviously, but I don't know what the score was or who she played. Seven five six three against Vekic. That's a good win. Vekic is not a bad player, especially for first round. Yeah, first and, round. That's not a that's not a super easy first round. So. And um, like her her top level might not be higher than like other people's top level, but she's so highly consistent that she could probably make her way through. Kind of like Pagula, actually. I'm officially a fan of the Russians. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do it. You know, it was actually hilarious. I um. I don't know if this is like kosher, but uh, the U.S. Open tennis account tweeted something about like Serena, um, Serena's retiring. So they're like, oh, um, respond with like a flag of a country and we'll respond with a moment of Serena related to her in that country. Oh my <laughs> so from, from our podcast, it's like, it's bizarre. So but with, but for my pod, for our podcast account, I like, I replied and I put the Russian flag just like as a joke. <laughs> obviously, I didn't get a response from the US Open account, but like got a bunch of favorites from people who obviously I'm joking around. <laughs> you should have put the Bella. You should have put the Bella Russian flag. That would have been hilarious. And, oh, on the same on the same kind of similar note, Novak. Obviously, everyone knows he can't come. He's not here. But guess what I found out, uh, like two days ago. What? Guess, guess who's a big sponsor of the US Open? Moderna. Moderna. Absurd. Moderna. Just Absurd. what? 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 Are we? Oh, we want to talk about the draw. No, we we got trivia next. So, do you have any? Um. Do we want to do the draw thing? I, I have. Uh, I have one trivia question. Um. Yeah, we can do the draw thing. Try to do it as quick as we can. Um. But I, because we haven't really tri- made our predictions. But yeah, I have a trivia and a one quote. So okay, I, I have one. Tri- I have one trivia. So, okay, so why don't we'll, I? I'll do my trivia. You do your trivia, then I'll do my quote. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're gonna do our usual trivia and quote games, where we either ask one another a trivia question or a quote, and we try and guess guess who it is. So yeah, Drew Drew's gonna go first. Let's go for trivia. Uh, topical question regarding the U.S. Open. So I think this kind of made sense as a question. Um. Daniil Medvedev, he is trying to defend the U.S. Open title, and he's the favorite, so he's got a pretty good – I mean, he's got a chance to do it for sure. Um, 
but he has a chance to do something very unique. And so here's the question. Who was the last non-Big 3 player to successfully defend a Grand Slam title? And I have, I have multiple choice um, for you here. So okay. who was okay. the last player to successfully defend a uh, non-Big 3 player to successfully defend a Grand Slam title? Okay. It's A, Andre Agassi, B, Gustavo Curtin, C, Pete Sampras, or D, Marat Safin? Who was the third one? Uh, Pete Sampras. Or second, second one, sorry. Andre Agassi, Gustavo Quirton, Pete Sampras, uh, Murat Safin. Okay, honestly, I feel like I don't even know how many Grand Slams Gustavo Quirton has. I, I, I feel like Safin only has, does he only have one Grand Slam? I don't know. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> it's trivia. <laughs> I don't know, to be frank, and I have. What does no... your gut? You can do What does your gut tell you? You know what you were you thinking about? Well, I, I know the. I think the last person to retire out of this bunch was Safin. So right. that's like one of the reasons I think if there's multiple people here who defended a Grand Slam title, that I would pick him because he was the most recent to retire. So that's why I would think it's him. And then I know Pete and Andre were also legends. Yeah, right before him as well. They they kind of retired. Um, they were they were before Safin, but also relatively right. I mean, recently. And I don't know how many Grand Slams Gustavo has. He may not even have two Grand Slams. He may have seven. I don't even know. <laughs> um, so I will say who I don't I don't remember who was dominating at the end of the Agassi Sampras rivalry. That's something I should I don't, I don't think know. anyone was dominating. I think it was like pretty even. Actually no, probably actually I think it was maybe P, I don't know. I'm going to go I'm going to go with Safin. Incorrect, and that's exactly the reason I put him as an option. It was because he is a Grand Slam. One. He is like he's the most, one. He's the most recent Grand Slam champion. He has he's won two Grand Slams, but he never defended it though. Um, uh, uh, but yes, uh, Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras also put in there them in there. Because again, again I, so uh, that was double that was double reverse with a twist. Uh, again, I I think I th- <laughs> I think based on me, like this was like the so obviously incorrect answer that you could have figured out just based on that. Guga, Guga Kerton. Oh, really? The answer is, is actually he did defend his French Open title 2000, 2001, and he has three titles, Grand Slams, all French Open, the original King of Clay. That's what they call him. Yeah, before it all came, uh, he, he was going to be the King of Clay. So it's pretty crazy that, he, that he's the last one to do it, man. I mean, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, that is a long time ago. That's, I, I, you would have thought that Agassi or Sampras, some, you would have thought someone recently would have done it, you know? Before, before the big three, big four, whatever. Yeah, and in case you're wondering, Safin won the 2000 US Open and the 2005 Australian Open, so two Grand Slams for Safin. I also thought about putting Hewitt in there. He also has two Grand Slams. Another rent, like kind of before the whole. What is it? Hewitt? What, he is Australian and US Open. No, Wimbledon. Wimbledon US Open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Wow. 
Saffin right. was kind of the curious of that time, I think. Really? Yeah, he had um, you know, he had like um at his players' boxes in Melbourne. He used. To oh my to- gosh! Uh, I'm just gonna I update Draper Rusevori. You were you were miles off the mark. <laughs> Draper is a NYC boy. Draper, yeah, Draper is an NYC boy. Draper is a city boy. You know he, you know he, Rusevori did beat him earlier this year. I didn't know that, but Draper's up six four four two. Okay, right now, uh, and I will. Give oh, you... Taylor Fritz came back. Yeah, that's not surprising. All right, I'll give you my trivia next. Oh, oops, that was. Uh, did you see? Did you see that the Ribikina quote about her? She feels that doesn't feel like she's a Wimbledon yeah. champion. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna talk about that in the draw preview, actually. Oh, this is just too much to talk about. Um, okay, okay. Who? When was the last time someone was it? Who was it? And when? What year? Yeah. Was someone a number one seed uh-huh. at, a, at a major? Uh huh. Outside of the t- big four. Because Daniil Medvedev is now, and when was right. the last time? So I have to. I have to get both. <laughs> I have to literally get the year. The fucking. Yeah, you know, um, you know, try, try, try both. It would be both. hilarious if it was Gustavo Curtin. <laughs> um, who is the last outside of the big four? Big four, so Murray obviously is clear in that. Number one seed. Um, I mean, obviously now, I'm going to say Andy Roddick because he was number one in the world. I know that. And I'm going to say you, the year after he won the U.S. Open. So I don't know. Was that, I forget, 2000, I forgot, uh, 2000. Five? I don't know. Wow, that was an amazing guess. You got you were literally so close to getting it perfect. Two thousand four. Andy Roddick, two thousand four. I knew it. Yep. Yeah. Fuck. Nice. That was very good. <laughs> I I think you you're I think you're on a hot streak of getting trivia. I don't think I've gotten a trivia in a long time. And I I'm feel on like a hot streak of at midnight going through random YouTube tennis videos in the past and like watching the past. So I kind of like, <laughs> I'm, on, like I, a, uh, I'm on a hot streak of jumping on a New York City city bike at night and just riding around <laughs> in, in circles. <laughs> so, um, so, okay, wait. Okay, let's try to do the quote. Honestly, fuck it. Like, this can be a long episode. Who cares? Ugh. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't need to do a draw preview. The draw previews suck. They they're honestly not fun. I don't think. Let's do like a a modified draw preview. You'll talk about it a little more, and do predictions stuff. Uh, okay. Like really quickly, and we have to make it quick. Obviously, I agree. Because then you just talk about every single player, and then you're just like naming. You're just saying names, and it's like, oh, this match. This- Linda Noskova. Oh, this random fucking person. Is- Marie. Uh, yeah. Sasha Bajalik. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's obviously some stuff you want to talk about, some stuff I want to talk about. And then it's like the, our, our, our interest of players don't always overlap, even right. though they do sometimes. So that's why the, the draw. The, uh, yeah. It's, it's fun to see like how it plays out, like, like you know, really right. how it plays out. So I know that's it, what we could do is previews, just do another, but... another podcast where you just like literally preview the draw. The draw, so I, like they're, they're so. I'll, I'll tell you, I was listening to the Game to Love podcast. It's like the yeah. second biggest tennis podcast. Their draw previews are just so. Bo- they go through so the draw. Boring. Yeah, they go through the draw and just like pick each match, and they like just like write out their draw. Like, dude, who fucking cares what you think? Who's gonna win? Like, that's not fun to listen to. I would think. I don't. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? But 
but yeah. It's, it's about your audience, like who are you, who are you targeting? I mean, I was honestly, the women's draw to me is so much more interesting because like if you look at the random players in the women's draw, there's so many more that catch your eye than like the random players in the men's draw. The men's draw is just like the guys who are unseated, just like they have no chance, you know? Yeah, true. Um, okay, uh, give me your quote. Oh my God, six plus down, six love, three love. What the fuck? He must be, he's probably hurt, right? Must be, must be. Okay, give me your quote. Okay, so this is actually, it's okay, so can, I, I'm gonna, I hope you can follow this. Um, so this is a different kind of a quote game. So I'm gonna give you two quotes and six people, and I'm gonna see if you can match the quotes. Can you keep uh, track of this? Let me write this down. Okay. Wait, two quotes and six people? Yes, and I'm gonna see if you can match the quotes up correctly. So like two of the two of the six people will have the quotes and yeah see, okay, okay, yeah. okay 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 yeah, okay okay yeah okay all yeah. right all right um I could five I feel like would be a little easy but I could just do just give me the names first okay uh, Ribikina nice Ostapenko okay Radikanu Leila okay. Fernandez Coco and Annette. What a squad. Okay. And are you ready? So the both of the quotes are concerning the US Open balls, and they're both the similar, they're both very they're very similar quotes, but they're a little different spin. Uh okay. So are you ready for the two quotes? Yep. Okay, quote one. Not to offend anyone in the tennis world, but I think there's more important things to talk about other than tennis balls that the tour can improve. Um do you want to do you want to talk about that one? Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. Um. Okay. I know. I, I there's like Ribikina was talking about how she doesn't feel like she's a Wimbledon champion. She was also ragging on the WTA tour, talking about how the leadership is really bad. Um. So she obviously thinks there's things to improve mm-hmm. on the tour. But yeah. that being said, the balls I, are a huge thing. Yeah. 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 The, that being said, I don't think she would say say something that blunt. Yeah. Do you want the second right? quote? Do you want the second quote before you decide? Because it's better to have yeah. both, right? Yeah. All the information, right? Yeah. Yeah. So second quote. Quote. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. I'm just grateful that we have tennis balls. As long as you have a racket, a ball, and a net, that's all you need for competition. <laughs> that's the second one. <laughs> okay. 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 So the first one's like extremely blunt. Second yeah. one's second one's just very funny. Yeah, um, F- funny but like true. I mean, just like ha- just like happy. I have tennis balls to play with. You know, this person also said in a, in a the second one part of this like quote for the future like part of the, the the quote was that she also said like like I'm just happy that I'm able to play tennis. Kind of that was the gist of it. You know, that uh, was it. Was okay. more like being funny. Yeah, yeah. But it is funny though. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say just in my opinion, I I would be kind of pissed about the balls. Yeah, me too. me too. I would. I would it be depends on your game style, but yes, I would. I, I wouldn't be happy about what they have to deal with. But first one, extremely blunt, so it has to be either it has to be like Penko, maybe. It has to be either Asta Penko or. Or Layla. So, uh, 
my initial thought was Ostapenko, but I'll, I'll just say Layla Fernandez because I don't want to say Ostapenko because th- this person prefaced with not to offend anyone. I don't think Yelena Ostapenko gives a fuck if <laughs> yeah. she offends anyone. Yeah, exactly. So right, I'll, just, say, yeah. I'll say Layla Fernandez for the, one? for the first quote. And um, the second one... I think Emma would have given, like, I feel like Emma and Annette would have given like an impartial answer or something. So mm-hmm. I'll say Coco Golf for the second second. I one. knew you were gonna say Coco. It sounds like something. I mean, I don't know why, but I I would probably have said Coco. And your initial, actually, your initial thoughts were correct. It's the first one was Elena Rabakina about not to offend anyone. Uh, I think no way. Yeah, <laughs> Elena Rabakina. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So I must have seen like I must have seen a. I didn't. Similar. You must have seen right. I didn't right. obviously see the whole interview. I probably watched, watched like I just saw like clips of her right. interview, and that wasn't in there. Uh, Do you want to take another crack at the second one? It wasn't Coco. Emma. Nah, Layla. Oh Man. really? Uh, that uh, kind of makes sense though, because she just came from an upbringing where she had literally no one. 